Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're all very welcome back to the Celtic Soul podcast with me, Andrew Millen. Today on the show, I'll be chatting to Henry McGarvey. Henry was born a stone's throw away from Celtic Park and is sub-editor of more than 90 minutes Celtic fans in since way back in issue one. This episode has been sponsored by the Witten Arms in Birmingham, right beside Villa Park, so anyone that's been to see Arsenal Villa will know the pub well. Thanks to Paul for his continued support of both the fans in and now the podcast. Hard to believe that Paul has a pub beside Villa Park and travels up to Glasgow on match day to see Celtic. You can check out the Witten Arms details and we'll put up the links on the podcast description. If your business or Celtic Supports Club would like to sponsor the podcast, please get in contact with us by email at info at You can also contact us through the website or message us on social media. Now, as we said on the last podcast, Ronan's getting fascinated by the stats and the analytics of the podcast. I'm struggling to pronounce some of the names of the places we have listeners. Just looking at here now, Ronan's thrown up places to me on the computer. Jakarta, Indonesia. Who's listening over there? Or who are our listeners in India and Japan? Get in contact with us and let us know your story. Are you a Celtic fan born in Glasgow or over in Ireland and you're travelling? Or are you living over there? We want to hear your story. Well, it seems now that Celtic have taken away all my emotions. Two great goals last night. Couldn't believe what a start. But I have to say I was slow off the sofa to celebrate because at no stage did I think we weren't going to concede. And I was right. The defence crumbled four times. The San Siro was silent last night. The last time we've all had a heart broken in Milan when Lennon was playing was when Kaka spoiled the party after a gallant effort that took the Italians into extra time. That day we had a young defender who defended with his life, Darren O'Dea. Neil's head was bowed low when he addressed the press and will now know that with every defeat and every goal against Celtic, his time is getting shorter. Unless he starts turning it round, he has to start this Sunday against St. Johnson or I feel the end is near and a replacement will have to be found. If Neil Lennon does manage to turn this around, he's going to have to get the board to shell out again for a goalkeeper. I'm sure they have Fraser Foster on speed dial, or maybe they can go cap in hand to Craig Gordon, who they wouldn't give a contract to during the summer. Because history shows us he's a better player than what we have out there at the moment between the sticks. The defence also needs some serious attention. Last season I spoke to Damien Duff in the fly home from Dublin about young Frimpong who was just starting to break into the team. I asked him about the young Dutch lad. I says, you know, is he a winger or is he, is he a defender? He smiled at me and said, no, he's a defender. And Damien knows a thing or two about wingers and maybe seeing what we are seeing now, the young boy's decision making in the final third is questionable. But look, it's unfair to single out one player. We are underperforming all over the pitch. In front of goal, we saw improvements last night, thank God. And we could have had a couple of more goals in the first half, but we always thought Milan had another gear. Celtic's recruitment policy has been questioned of late, but that could be not set of AC Milan. They loaned us Diego Laxit, and they signed a 4 million Norwegian kid, Jens Peter Hogg. And after watching him, you have to tip your cap to their recruitment policy. 4 million for this kid, the youngster danced through our defence. So where are we now? Well, we're looking ahead to Sunday against St. Johnson. It's a massive game. A last throw of the dice for Lenny. Only three points will keep him in charge. Henry McGarvey was born a stone's throw away from Celtic Park. He has been involved in more than 90 minutes since way back at issue one. His hero growing up was the late great Bobby Mordock, who he would live beside for many years after Bobby retired from the game. Hi Henry, how are you pal? How has your lockdown been? And you know, we've had a bit of positive news now about the vaccine, so hopefully... We may get back to Celtic Park next season. Hi, Melissa. Hi, fine. Hi, good to hear from you. Um, I think just like everybody else, I'm, I'm missing the football, obviously in particular Celtic. This new normal that they keep talking about, um, don't really want to get used to it because your normal would have been starting on a Friday night, thinking about maybe you coming over on the Saturday morning and doing our Celtic AM. And then it was tickets, meeting people for tickets and 
then the match, and then a few beers after the match with mates. So this now is completely different. I mean, I just hope people don't get used to the new normal and that this vaccine can get us back in the road sooner rather than later. Yeah, hopefully, Henry, and as you said, Friday night into Saturday, Saturday AM, tickets, game, and a few points. As everybody, we all took it for granted that we could do this every Saturday for the rest of our days. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that's a problem that uh, not only Celtic's going to have, but the whole football world. I mean, if, uh, people are getting used to doing something else. I mean, it's, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, like my own position, I'm seeing, I'm seeing more of my, my, my son and granddaughters on a Saturday, and I'm enjoying it. But I know I will get back to Celtic Park eventually, but if there's people who have taken up another sport, for instance, you know, they could say, you know, I'm enjoying this. I'm just going to give football a uh, put it in the back burner for a while. And I think this is really a big uh, watershed season for both sides of Glasgow. I mean, Rangers are doing everything in their power to stop 10 in a row. They're throwing everything in it. That's it. Probably going to get themselves into financial difficulties again if we believe everything. And if Celtic don't win 10 in a row, when it should have been a shoe-in this season, both teams are going to have problems next season trying to sell season books. And on the back of this pandemic, I mean, if this is still hanging about with not full capacities, I mean, are we going to sell the same amount of season books given what happened the season books this season. I mean, Celtic support have dug deep, as Rangers supporters have dug deep also uh, to fund the clubs. So I think they might find it quite hard. Whoever's on the back of defeat this season trying to sell capacity season books. I think we all got emotionally attached with the 10 in a row, Henry, when it, when it came to you know renewing our season books. And I think the club knew that. But I don't think that would be the case next year. I do not think that uh, I think the hardcore will always be there. But, you know, let's just say the ones that were missing when Ronnie Delia was manager. And I know that some of them, you know, the reason they were there, the reason they weren't there was because we had an economic crash at the time in Ireland. I know, and I don't think Glasgow was as hit as bad. We also had no Rangers. And no matter what people say, mm-hmm. Rangers is the one that fills the stadium. Rangers is the one that sell, they could sell tickets for 50, 60 quid for. They couldn't sell it for any other club. So, you know, maybe the club are guilty of not burying Rangers because of the financial benefit they get from having them closely. Yeah, well, well, that's, I mean, there's, there is a lot of truth in that. And I think Celtic have, uh, you know, they've really missed a step there. I mean, Rangers could have been buried. I mean, it wouldn't have taken an awful lot of millions. I mean, OK, we spent a few million this season, but it looks as if we spent it badly. Um, but surely Dermot Desmond could have you know, really just blowing them out of the water. I mean, uh, I mean, what really is the bigger picture here? I mean, do Celtic really want Rangers buried? You know, do we want them gone? I mean, there is loads of supporters, thousands of supporters do want them buried, but, but we'd have to go into some other league if Rangers were, Rangers were in their knowledge. I mean, we need them. We need that big, big match four times a season. There's, there's nothing like it in the world. It's fantastic. You think that we would lose that match. I, I wouldn't like to lose it. You know, as much as I would like to, to win 20 in a row, <laughs> you know, and have them... I wouldn't mind them being a St. Johnston or a Hamilton Ackies, but I'd still like them to be there. And of course, Henry, you live in the city. Um, we're kind of so far away from it. In the building I walk in, there's one Rangers fan and... Uh, Thankfully, he's walking from home at the moment, so I don't get to see him because there's only a skeleton crew in the building. But I can imagine for people living in Glasgow, having to go into walk and be ridiculed at the moment after being ridiculing them for nine years. You know, it must be hard to take for some people. Well, I'm sure it is for, for the people that actually are working. I mean, well, you know, there's, there's loads of people not working or whatever because of the pandemic and ever and like my own situation is I'm retired so I don't go into work to see Rangers supporters but the pandemic is helping in that regard I'm not going to the pub where I can meet my Rangers supporters mates and get a get a big time off them you know so you're not really seeing any of them 
the only feedback you're getting is if you if you you know from newspapers and, and the media, and as we all know the Scottish media is not is not the best in the Celtic corner, and especially when we're down, they're really putting the boot in. So to that regard, no, I'm not really seeing any Rangers supporters face to face, which is a good thing. Yeah, and sadly, some of our own uh, Celtic websites are. The clickbait ones that I got on about so much, but they are cut and pasting articles from the Sun, the Daily Record, and people who are not friends of Celtic. And you know, we seem to have these sensationalised headlines. And when you click in, it's nothing more than what was in the newspapers. Uh, especially when you're reading Excel, you know that's the big thing. You've Charlie Nicholas, Sandy Walker, etc. You know they like to as if they're doffing the cap to them. You know, well, they, they want to keep their wages, don't they? But that's it, money tops. Yeah, and, and as well as that, when you think of the likes of Charlie and Nicholas, you know, Charlie lost his job on Sky, and, you know, he's trying to stay relevant as well. I mean, really, his opinion is, is, is irrelevant. Yeah. Well, I suppose we're in, when we're in this age of uh, laptops, and it's really easy for people to make comments. You know, where years and years ago, it would have to be through a newspaper column yeah. or whatever, which I'm sure was hard to get for certain types of players but anybody can make a comment now any ex-player can can say anything and it's and it's up on a website somewhere within seconds yeah I'm convinced Chris Sutton has been cloned because he, he can simultaneously tweet commentate <laughs> write a newspaper column podcast and last night to my shock and horror he was actually on the advert for a, a takeaway delivery company I have seen that. So yeah. I, I, I am now I'm now convinced Chris Sutton has been clowned. There's, there's definitely, and the next thing that's going to happen, Henry, is there's going to be a cult of Chris and he's he is the new Messiah and everything he says, all he has to do is put a tweet out and he's got column inches on all the websites within yeah. two or three minutes. I, I seen that on the TV last last night and I had to have a, a double take. I mean, is that Chris <laughs> and, and it was, but I'll say one thing. Big Sutton's in our corner anyway. Oh yeah, that's for sure. He, he, he throws him a couple of tip bits now and now, now, now and then, but big man's in our corner. You better believe it. And we need everyone in our corner at the moment, Henry. Uh, that's it's a bad watch in a moment, isn't it? Yeah, the season look it hasn't gone to plan. The fans are split. The board are silent. The players have underperformed, and we now find Neil Lennon hanging by his fingertips. To the manager see. Uh, well, just come back to the thing about the fans. I mean, I think just us not having the fans uh, is a big, big thing. I know it's the same for everybody, but I think Celtic really are missing missing the support. I mean, when you look back at some of the games last season, you know, like take for instance uh, Brown's goal against Kilmarnock in the last seconds. You know, that's the fans that's driving them on. Yeah, I, I, I don't care what anybody says. Celtic, more than anybody, I think, are missing fans. And I think Rangers have enjoyed the fans not being there. Because if you were five minute, minutes into a game at Irox and things weren't going going the way they were planned, the fans were on their back. And when the fans got on your, on your back, mistakes happened. And I think the stars have just aligned really, really terrible for Neil Lennon with the Bad signings, no fans, pandemic, players doing a couple of stupid things, ball and goalie. Just everything seems to have aligned wrongly for, for, for Neil. And do you think that they were aligned correctly for Jared because he's had very little COVID to deal with? He's had no players coming back from international duty with COVID. He yeah. has a, always a, almost a, always a fit squad to pick from. Mm. Uh, and I had... Jim Riley, who's based in Sydney on the podcast earlier in the week, Henry, and he he said, like, you know, they're hungrier than us. Have our team, have our players, you know, have they got fed up winning? You know, is the hunger yeah. gone? Yeah, well, that can become, a, you know, a problem, you know. Like, success can breed complacency, and you know, and and, and maybe, that's, maybe that's what's just happened. I mean, um, so, some of the players have been there, done it, and got the T-shirt, you know, like... Uh, Wayne McGregor's been unbelievable Celtic player. But, I mean, is he saying, is he saying, right, well, I'm I'm coming to the end of this now, you know? I mean, I, I can see McGregor going, you know, and uh, Christie as well, who's had great seasons and now looks a different player. And I might add, 
he looks a better player for Scotland than he actually does for Celtic. And is is their eye taken off the ball now? You know, like this big Euro Championship coming up. You know, whether they're on a well, certainly a European platform. You know that they can sell themselves in an international jersey. You know, some of the players just don't look. Well, some of the players look as if they've got, got their eye in their future rather than the immediate future, which is winning your next game for Celtic. Yeah, and looking at Lars Noy's performance, if it's true what we've heard for many months that AC Milan were looking at Ayer, if they had one eye on him last night, I tell you one thing, they certainly don't have it on him this morning. Aye, well, the play, well, the players are shooting themselves in the foot, Millish, if they're, you know, if they're not performing week in, week out, because... They're losing millions every game they play. I mean, forget about forty million, Edward. You know, you know, forget about what was it, twenty million for Ayer. Yeah, you wouldn't take twenty million for the two of them. Yeah, you know, it, it, and, it's night and day, Henry. When you look at last season's European campaign, and you look at this season's, it's just it's it's mind blowing at times, and it's just. I suppose soul destroying because you know, no one seems to have any answers, no matter. It was always great going to Celtic Park on a European night. Nothing to beat it. Every Celtic fan in, in the world loves Celtic Park on a European night. You know, like, the great players that we've seen over the years coming to Celtic Park, you know, that that makes young kids want to play football. I mean, it's only, it's only a few years back we were watching... Uh, Ronaldo and Rooney and Beckham and whatever coming to Celtic Park. You know, Messi, Ronaldinho. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, these these superstar players are not really coming to Celtic Park anymore in, in, in recent seasons. And if this is going to continue, that we're watching a substandard, for one a better word, substandard European teams coming to Celtic Park, and they're actually turning us over 8-2 in aggregate. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I, I still couldn't, if you ask me right now to name any of the Sparta Prague team, I couldn't name any. No, yeah, you name some players there that we, we, we witnessed in Sally Park and like, you name a couple of Man United players and a couple of Barcelona players, you know, and we beat both of them at Sally Park. Yeah, I mean, uh, can, can you see those days ever coming back? I mean... Well, I never say uh, never, Henry, but it just yeah, seems to be well, the, the, the gap seems to be getting bigger. And bigger every season. You only have to look at the Champions League. You can predict the two teams that are coming out of each group. You know, yeah, it's very well, seldom there's a shock. Yeah, well, I mean, in the same token, as it, it must be getting boring for teams at the top, like because you mentioned teams that are always there: uh, Barcelona, Juventus, uh, Man United, Man City, Liverpool. I mean, it must get boring for them those early stages of that competition, Malish. I mean, because they know they're going to be there at the end of the competition. Yeah, so, it certainly doesn't kick off to the, you know, till, they, till they go into the knockout stage. Sorry, I was going to say, especially the European teams, I mean, their live games out, out with the pandemic are, are almost empty stadiums in those early stages. True. You know, so, I mean, they must say, like, there isn't any point in going to see Celtic. We're going to beat them. But there isn't any point in going to see Sparta Prague. We'll beat them. Let's save the money for the quarterfinals. Maybe get a trip saved up for the final. I mean, that's the way I used to look at it when I was a kid watching Celtic when we were getting to semi-finals and quarterfinals and finals of European competitions. Uh, I can remember going to a game at Hamden when Celtic were playing at Hamden and it was Ajax who were playing. and. I I think, I'm, I can't remember what the score was, but I know it wasn't really a positive result. I remember coming out of the stadium and my mate saying, well, we save up for the semi-final. And I remember the two of us turning around each other and saying, do you know something? Let's just save money up and we'll go to the final. I wish 10 days were back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, we took it for granted back then. You know, so, but it is swings and roundabouts, so we'll come back again. But as you... It's this problem with the money that's in the game. You know, these teams are getting further away. And if they start to divvy it up again with, you know, like some other Super League, you know, they're, they're, they're going to get further away. Yeah. Well, listen, Henry, what were talking about when you were younger and the great times that Celtic went through and, you know, semi-finals and finals. I want to take you even back a little further now, Henry, because you've showed me where you were born or the area where you were born. 
Now, Celtic Park is in your DNA. Not many people can can say that they follow the <laughs> local team when it's Celtic, but you cannot be accused of not following your local team. You know, born, as I said, in the shadow of the stadium. Can you just take the listeners back to that street and, like, were you, have you any memories of it or, you know, did your parents tell you, you know, about the street? Well, I, I can't actually... Well, what I can tell you is it was quite a, uh, quite a story. It was, I, I knew I was born in Malcolm Street in, in, in Glasgow, which is obviously Parkhead. So I always said I was born a free kick away from the actual stadium. But I was a night. I was a night out a couple of years ago with Jim Simonetti. I was sitting at a table with Jim Simonetti, who runs the Jimmy Johnson Academy. Um, I think you've interviewed. We've interviewed yeah, Jim and him, yeah. And you know, we were asking about where we were from, and I said I was from Malcolm Street, and Jim said, "Says I'm, I'm from Malcolm. I was born in Malcolm Street." And he, I says, "I just next to the stadium," and Jim says, "No," he says. Yeah, you, you weren't born next to the stadium, you were born in the stadium. And I said, what, what do you mean? He says, well, Malcolm Street's in the footprint of the original Celtic Park. So I actually did a bit of digging on this and got old maps, and I found out that the 18-yard box on the, the original Celtic Park was the flat that I was born in, in the house. So I was actually born in the in the inside the 18-yard box of the original Celtic Park. And I love telling that story to Man United supporters and always end up with, who's your local team? <laughs> <laughs> that always catches them out. Oh, I can imagine you're sitting down in a pub saying that. And Henry, like, I'm sure some of them Man United supporters are from a fishing village out the road from, from me, plot ahead. Ah, yeah, that's what I was uh, talking about. Because that's where your mum's from. You know, has your dad had your dad any connection with Ireland? No, well, his only connection was going over there and holiday in, in the fifties and you know, clog ahead of him. He doesn't know it's a little fishing village, a lovely little place. Uh, that's when he went over there on holiday and met my mother and went back to Glasgow and so. Uh, well, that's where I grew up. So proud of my fifty percent Irish and proud of my fifty percent Scottish too. And is it true that when your when your dad was walking in Ireland? Or was it in Glasgow that um, he he had to change the spelling of his name? No, well, that goes back to probably his grandfather like, when they came over from uh, from Ireland. Like my father's grand grandfather, he would have been Irish, and his great grandfather would have been Irish. But when they were came over, I believe their surname was Garvey, just E Y. They were advised to change the name to Mac Garvey, drop the Y and make it I E. To make it sound Protestant, so there's a better chance of getting a job. So I suppose that's what you had to do back in the early century in Glasgow. But thankfully, those days are gone. To feed your family, Henry, you will do anything. Yeah, well, if that's what they had to do, you know. Uh, but it never stopped them being a proud Celt or a proud Catholic. And it certainly didn't stop your mum, anyway, because I met your mum and Laura Mercy, she was, she, she was a tough woman. No, she was, I. I she was indeed. Typical clot ahead woman. Oh, yeah. I know, definitely. <laughs> I can't say too much because my son's going out with a girl from clot ahead now, so I better move on from clot ahead. <laughs> no, you better warn him. Yeah, I better. Henry, I've always loved listening to you when you talk about football. You seem to have a good knowledge of the game and how it's played. You grew up a decent footballer, but you had a little accident when a trial to England was on the cards. I, no, it was, that was good. that's going back a long, long time. I was a kid at primary school. Um, it's actually the same school as Bobby Murdoch went to. And it's when you get through the trials and you represent, uh, you represent uh, Glasgow. I went through the trials and I represented Glasgow. And I was there, you know, that had uh, it was to go down to Bristol, but I had an accident. It never happened, but. Uh, you know, it was it was that age when you're about twelve or something. Like like you don't even know if, if you're going to turn out to be a half decent footballer. But my nemesis growing up through these trials in primary school was Stevie Archibald. Uh, we played uh, at one point. We did play a trial for a, for a for a local team, but uh, Stevie always played for a local team called the Burris School, which was a Protestant school. And I played for St. Colin Kells and we were both captain each team and it was like Celtic Rangers, St. Colin Kells of Borough. So always 
grew up in that little niche with Stevie. Uh, and then a, a couple of years ago, I had to occasionally have a, a phone call, uh, uh, talk to him on the phone. Like, so it was a funny conversation the way it went. So I ended up in the local Ash Parks playing amateur football, and he ended up in the Bernabeu playing with Barcelona. You know, so it's a strange way your your life can go. And football's all a game game of breaks and a, a game of luck. Sometimes, sometimes the right person's watching at the right time when you play the right game. You know, so. Uh, but my career was finished when I was about 14, 13, 14. So you, you had an accident, Henry, yeah? Ah, yeah, it was an accident on my foot. So it was, that was it. So I think you need your foot to play good at football. So. But, but, but as you said, you ended up in the Ashfields and you played amateur and you coached amateur. Yeah, I remember you coached in Eastfield and you mentioned Bobby Morrow there. And Bobby's son Barry was on the team. Ah, yeah, Barry was. I, the, as we spoke earlier, the Unfortunately, Barry didn't turn out to be a good a player as his father was. Um, but what I do remember, like, it's a funny story. We were playing in a semi-final one time and it went to penalty kicks. And Barry had a penalty to win the game and put us into the final and he missed it. And the other team went on to win the semi-final. So went back to our local pub, which is the Vogue Bar in Rolgan. Some people might know it. It's not far from Hamden on uh, Rolgan Main Street. And so boys were all a bit down in the dumps and uh, Bobby comes in, says to Barry, what's the matter with you? You know, and he says, ah, oh, missed a penalty. We get beat. He says, you're down in the dumps. Straight away, Bobby goes, 1965, Ibrook Stadium, 70,000. We're getting beat one nothing. He says, we jinkies been sent off. We're down to 10 men. Six minutes to go. He says, we got a penalty. I grab the ball, take the penalty. He says, I'm having that right over the bar. He says, he says, and you're feeling bad. He says, imagine what I was feeling like. He says, I couldn't leave the house for a fortnight. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And, that, and that's in the days when players had to walk down their main street. I mean, uh, I'd like to know how, how long the heart lasts nowadays till they get into their bloody Porsche and got the road to their wag, their model wife. And then, then check their bank balance. You know, those days are gone. They are for sure, Hemi. And you mentioned Bobby there, and so special when you walk in the Vogue bar, there's the, there's the mirror behind the bar of him and so much talk of him around that area, as there uh, is throughout Glasgow. I've, I've just an unbelievable player. I mean, I mean, I was I'm probably about 12, 13, 14, 15 watching Bobby murder. And, you know, to... To think that he got 12 caps for his country, one of the greatest, any, everybody and anybody who's in football going back to that era talks about Bobby Murder. Everybody. And he, 12 caps, and in those 12 caps, he scored six goals, a 50% strike rate. But how can Bobby Murder only get 12 caps? Well, I think, I think, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I know the answer. Maybe. Politics was going about in football in those days, definitely. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that. I've been lucky enough to interview most of the Lions, either on stage or in person or for the fanzine or, or even for the podcast. We, we've had John on. And you know, Bobby Morick is, in, in every single interview, he is brought up and he has spoken in so high regard, Henry. And with Jack Charlton Dunn, I then started to listen to stuff about Jack Charlton when he was manager of Middlesbrough. And his midfield was Bobby Morrick and Graham Sooners, which led me on to then to chase up what Sooners taught him Morrick. And you yeah. know, the, the, the high praise he spoke of him. Like, and you say 12 caps for one, if you know, one, if not, the greatest player, you know, to it was definitely, you know, people say Jimmy was the greatest entertainer and Bobby was the greatest player. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no ex-professional has got anything bad to say about Bobby Murdoch as a player he was an unbelievable player and the fact that he's in the greatest ever Celts team tells you that alone and probably Henrik's maybe lucky that he was the greatest ever Celt I think no no who, sorry who's the greatest Jimmy, ever Jimmy Jimmy aye Jimmy I mean probably Jimmy you know if it wasn't Jimmy it would definitely be Bobby you know because he's he, he was 
Mr. Celtic. If, if Bobby, Bobby, Murdoch, if Bobby Murdoch was playing well, Celtic were winning. And Bobby Murdoch played well 95% of the time. And it's 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 funny, Henry, uh, just before I set up the interview with yourself, the phone rang and it was Paddy Dunn. It was Celtic fans from the 60s who remember Paddy Dunn at Dublin or going over to play for Celtic before, I suppose, things happened, you know, but you know, he was very unlucky because uh, it was Bobby Morick that was he was competing with for the place. Um, <laughs> well, that, that was unlucky. I'm going to try and get Paddy on to the show maybe before Christmas because I know he's going in for an operation next week. Sorry, to interrupt you, Emily. See how you were talking earlier about Jinky being the greatest ever. So, um, I mentioned earlier about that Jimmy Johnson Academy. I mean, if any Celtic supporter ever gets a chance to go up there and ha- have a look round about their changing room area and see the Jinky Johnston memorabilia that's there and how I, th- I think you've been there haven't you I haven't been no I was supposed no, to go up but Jim invited well, me up but should we just lock down well you should make a point of it because you see the, the the all the accolades from Jimmy Johnston from when he died from you know from Jose Mourinho to Claudia Reina Glenn Hoddle everybody it's a, it's a who's who so he, he, he was obviously he was obviously a genius, maybe yeah. a flawed genius, as somebody says. But you need a bit of that in you if you're a genius. Well, we just witnessed Maradona pass away, and he was a genius, you know. And he had, you know, maybe I, flawed, but but I think Henry, you were so lucky to growing up in that era, you know, the Lisbon Lions and the, the likes of McGrain who followed and the Gleish and so forth, and like you've you've seen some bad times, Henry. Just to quickly. Um, you remember the first nine in a row. Can you remember any thoughts of when when that fizzled out, when they went for the 10? Well, I think you may go back to what you said about taking things for granted. I mean, possibly Celtic took their eye off the ball, you know, and, you know, I, I don't mean... Look, when I, was, when I was growing up at that age, when you talk about that first nine in a row, all it was was success for me. You know, and I think some of the boys at this moment in time are growing up with that same success. But unfortunately, they're taking their frustration now in a different way than we probably did back then. You know, uh, it, it it just, you, you have to remember as well, the first nine in a row, there was never like a 10 in a row like it is at the moment. You know, we, we were just going along to league games and if we won the league, we won the league. But since we've won the league from about seven in a row, it's always been ten, you know. So there's this holy grail that's probably not helped Celtic. Well, it's certainly not helped him this season. And it's well, it didn't help when Mister Rogers left. You know, he was a man who was meant to be here for ten in a row. I saw the song says. Yes, aye. And just just this nine in a row, Henry. No, no matter what happens this season, whether we win or lose the league, it's been a phenomenal run domestically all the trophies and, and to do nine in a row and some will say oh well you don't have a lot range and that we can only beat the teams in front of us is there a moment in, in, in this run you know that really sticks out yeah we were we, we were really good then or we were you know I think back to Dem, the Dembele game against yeah. Rangers in Celtic Park on the Rogers. I just you know and it reminded me of the 6-2 with Martin O'Neill there's just a, you know before that there's just a few games stick out in, in your mind there's a ring that sticks out in yours or any player that sticks out well obviously that, that game you're talking about I mean well because there's, there's that many old firm games now or whatever you want to call it you know the Glasgow Derbies or Sevco Celtic whatever um, there's that many of the games now that you know like to me it was a lot better when there was only two games a season and you'd maybe meet them in a cup tie it was massive then. You were talking about the game weeks and weeks before it, you know, before it happened. But now, if sometimes I mean, there was a couple of seasons ago they would be playing them seven times during the season or something. You know, possibly, like, yeah, it seemed to be you know, every couple a, of weeks. A replay involved, you know. Um, but when a game does come up like that, Dembele hat trick game. But the game I always remember most of all was uh, I actually watched. In Liverpool, it was in Liverpool for the weekend. It was a pub in Liverpool, and 
it was just, pub just beside the Cavern Club actually I was just doing my tourist but I had to go in and, and, and watch the game and it was a game when we won at Ibrox when Edward scored down to 10 men weren't we at the time yeah he came off the bench yeah aye now that game is amazing you know for no, for loads of reasons and even even the funny bit that was the Rangers commentator wasn't it what's the goalie doing yeah. what's the goalie doing Tom that yeah was, <laughs> <laughs> no. That, that that game particular sticks in my head during that run because that's you know to beat them with ten men in their home park you know uh, also the last game you know when we're down to the eight hundred any the eight hundred that was there must have been amazing you yes. know to yes. you know that that must have been a highlight for them got to have been and listen Henry it, like I'm gonna get my time machine out now okay and I, I have to I have to put a bit of juice in it and the juice is in it. And if I can take it back to any moment, to Folly and Celtic or any game, where would you like to go and relive? Uh, well, obviously, Seville comes to mind straight away because, well, I was only about 10 and 11, I think, when we won it in 1967. So, I mean, I, I remember every moment of the game, but obviously wasn't at the game. I was in Seville and that was just magic. That was just the whole journey was brilliant. Apart from Blackburn away, that was only that was only blot on it. If you can remember that game, well, let's but, not bring uh, that up on air. That doesn't stay for a live show. <laughs> uh, no, that uh, that Seville was a magical moment for every Celtic supporter. I mean, if we talk about hundred thousand being there if there was, but that was that, and I was I was lucky enough to have a ticket, so I was actually at the match. But uh, that was a highlight. I, I, Brilliant. Yeah, and there's so many stories, Henry. I don't know if it was you that was telling me or somebody did. Obviously, the night after the game, everyone's a bit deflated and there was a lot of people sleeping on, on the monastery or at chapel steps and there's a couple of wee boys sitting in the corner, you know, on the steps drinking the last of the book fast. But you must remember, <laughs> a lot of people arrived in Seville with no accommodation and uh, I think six in the morning, the nuns come out to pray and the chant went up. If you who who let the nuns out, <laughs> you know, and the, the, the party started again. Then, so you know, oh, there's just so many that. brilliant. And you know, if I, if there was room in that um, time machine, Henry, I'd be I'd be climbing in beside you. Uh, that that's memories you'll take to your grave, Seville. Yes, definitely, uh, Henry. Just I just want to bring it forward before we before we wrap up. I just want to bring it forward now. Sunday, St Johnson. Can we win the game? If we win the game, does it save Lennon from ex- from execution this time? You know, if Celtic fails to win, is this his last throw with the dice? You know, or does the board hang with him till, till the cup? Well, if I'm, if I'm led to believe the statements that came out in the last few days, um, the board seem to be sticking with him. But um, we've heard that many times before with different teams, especially in the prem- Premiership, when you get that backing from the chairman, they're usually going after a couple of weeks. But they do seem to be behind them, and I mean they're even even Lenny's talking about buying players in January, so you know that he needs to freshen it up or maybe admit the mistakes for the players that's been brought in. But it can start on Sunday. I mean, it only takes you know just looking at the fixture list. We've got a good run of fixtures as far as the league goes. That's what I thought when we played Ross County. Yeah, well, you know that that cup thing had to come to an end sometime so it's, to me it was better getting beat in that cup tie than it would have been getting beat with St Johnston this Sunday because if we get beat with St Johnston Sunday it's almost over but I mean if we can put a run of games together you know five or I think maybe get five games before the, the before the Rangers game four league games uh, five league games not sure but on paper they look winnable games so if we can get that together um you never know what happens. And you also have to remember as well, I mean, we, we're just looking at ourselves. This is not a great Rangers team. You know, as, as much as everything's aligned bad for Celtic, everything's aligned brilliant for them. You know, if you, even if you take COVID into account, I mean, they've, they've, they've hardly been touched by it, even although they had a massive birthday party that can all social distance it fantastically well. But... Uh, I think if we can get this run together and then see what happens in the New Year game, 
But as I said, what we need to take into account, Rangers are going to stutter. They're, they, they've got to have a bad spell. They're not, they're, there's no way that team will go through the whole season winning every game. So, you know, we need to factor that into account. There's a couple of points going to come back our way from from, from, from their mistakes. Well, hopefully, Henry, because uh, as, as we said earlier on, you know, the, the support, are, you know, they're so down. Like, normally you get emotionally, you know, attached and you get into the game and like, okay, it's harder watching at home when I used to be in the stadium, but I've been shouting at the TV and the sound has been given out to me and the dog's been... He's, he's been into other rooms and but I noticed I, I sat through the game in shock the Ross County game and last night we went two up and I never flinched because you know I just yeah. went you know these are a quality team and this defence <laughs> this defence is just you know it's just shocking like you know well I think even I think that says it all and I think probably like most Celtic supporters when we were watching the game last night and we went two up I was thinking to myself we're still not going to win this game. You know, you knew you knew Milan were, were, were going to come back against this Celtic team as it's playing at the moment and their lack of confidence and whatever's going on. And it turned out Milan did come back. I, I, I would love to know what price Milan were in running with, with, <laughs> with the bookmakers. I wouldn't have thought it would have been very much. You know, yeah. normally when a team goes two up, it'd be like 20 to 1. For the other team, there's no way it would have been 20 to 1 last night. Yeah, true. Well, Henry, look, we could be going over this ground on every podcast, but like it seems to be that every 90 minutes now in the league, you know, fail to win. And I think that I think the board will pull the plug on, on Lenny. Um, now, who do you bring in is another thing because it's maybe not that attractive at the moment to come in to, to, to a team, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of takers and I'm sure there'll be a few Bob in the forum. But for now, Henry, we'll leave it. It's been a pleasure to chat. And as you said earlier on, you know, when you chatted about a pre-match, I really look forward to getting back to Glasgow, Celtic AM, a couple of points and, you know, the crew, Pat, Jerry, and the rest of the inner circle over there. You know, who yeah. knows, maybe we could all be together at the Flag Hill in Mullingar next year as, as well, I know you, ha- you haven't missed one since the 1970s. Well, I can actually tell you it's cancelled for next year already. It's cancelled already, is it? Well, that's a shame. Yeah. And listen, just before you go, have you still got the cowboy boots? <laughs> no, I got rid of them a long, long time ago. <laughs> okay, folks. So Henry has hung up his cowboy boots and, and his football boots. And as I said, Henry, it's been a pleasure and I look forward to catching up soon. Right, mate. It was a pleasure to Good talking to you. See you, pal. Henry's one of my best pals and it's lovely to catch up with him. Obviously, we haven't seen each other since last March. I met Henry today, Martin O'Neill took Celtic to Tannadice to play Dundee United in the summer of 2000 when Henrik Larsson scored the opener and Chris Sutton the second in a 2-1 win. We've remained friends ever since. Well, this weekend sees us putting together issue 112 of the fans in. Still a few copies of issue 111, I know I've been flogging them for the last week. So thanks to everyone who bought them. If you want to buy one, I'll stick one in the post and if you order it before noon, it'll go the same evening. You can also download the digital edition from CelticFansing.com and get straight into your inbox for your phone, tablet or laptop or wherever you do your reading. Anyone taking out a 12-month print subscription will receive a free t-shirt and if it's three months, we'll give you a free badge. All subscribers also get a digital copy of each issue while they wait for the print copy to drop into the letterbox and access to all our back issues online. With no match day sales, your support means that we can continue with the print edition Full subscription details will be in the podcast description. Don't forget to visit our online shop where you can see all our t-shirts and merchandise. And again, we post out all orders that come in before noon the same day. Each episode of the podcast, we throw out a special offer to the listeners. On Tuesday, we put out the hoodies with free t-shirts, so thanks to everyone who bought them. And today, we'll be throwing out a polo top. And if you buy a polo top, they're 25 quid. We'll throw in a free t-shirt worth 20 quid. So not a bad deal, folks. And... Make a good Christmas present. As always, thank you so much to my long-suffering producer, Ronan McQuillan. He's mad to get back into the pub now the weekend, but he's too much work on, so it'll just be me and Baz in the pub this weekend, Ronan. Folks, if you like what we're doing and you would like to support us, you can do so by visiting satlicfanzine.com where you can become a member, subscribe, buy or donate for the price of a pint. We promise no unwanted Google-style adverts on our website or articles and no unwanted advert interruptions on our podcast. Keeping it real and definitely keeping it independent. 
Your support will help us to continue to produce quality independent fan journalism, podcasts, videos, live events, and of course the fanzine. If you're not in a position to financially support us at this time, don't worry. Don't worry, we will deliver all the same quality content free to all fans. Please download our app, that's also free, and you'll have access to the podcasts, articles, daily news, video, and info on upcoming events, the fanzine and our online shop, all at the touch of a button on your phone or tablet. And we've also got good news coming along now with this vaccine. We're hoping to get the planning in place for the Land of Smile Celtic Supporters Festival over in Thailand. So that's one to look forward to when we come out of this pandemic. All episodes of the podcast are now available on all platforms, so don't forget to hit the subscribe. Or if you're listening to us on Spotify, I think it's the follow button, and you'll never miss an episode. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, so give us a follow. As always, thanks again to our sponsor. This episode was sponsored by the Witten Arms in Birmingham. Much appreciated, Paul, for your continued support of both the fanzine and now the podcast, and I'm sure you'll be happy to hear that we're returning to Thailand. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club would like to support the podcast and would like to become a sponsor, please email us at info at And as always, you can contact us through the website or message us on social media. Keep all the comments and suggestions coming in. Let us know what guests you'd like to have on the show. And don't forget, if you're one of our listeners in the far-flung country, let us know who you are and let us know your story. Here's some of the comments that came in after the Jim Riley podcast. Great podcast with Jim Riley brought back the memories of the morning in Chiles Bar beating Barcelona. Great crack before the game and what a session after the game. Normal folk going to their walk 9am and us doing the huddle in the middle of Georgia Street. Pub packed like it was a Saturday night and no one had any intentions of going to walk after that result. Being a brain, Logan number one, but his heart is still with Sydney City Celtic Supporters Club. Excuse the language, but fuck me dead. This should come with a health warning. Sean Murphy. Murph. No bad language on this show, please. OMG, it's Donny Osmond live from Sydney. This will be a good podcast. All the best, lads. John Campbell. Jim, you didn't mention the dog with the beetroot. I'm glad he didn't. That comes from Jerry O'Connor, Coatbridge, a great friend of the fanzine. If you're in Coatbridge, pop into the candy store and Jerry will have anything you need in that shop, from a quarter of a sweets to a good Celtic book. Great podcast. Listen to Jim across the world. So you turn 50 next year, Millish. So do we. We should celebrate in the North Pole because we'll, we'll have to keep the vaccine at minus 70. Hail, hail, John Glavencock. Don't worry, John. No matter where we celebrate, even if it's in Greenland, we'll, we'll get a good session going. Another cracking interview and a welcome distraction from current events of Paradise. Keep the fee. And that comes from our regular commentator, Tony Ratton in Sunderland. Thanks for listening, Tony. Much appreciate the comments, as always. So, folks, that's it for this episode. We will be back on Tuesday when we will have another guest on the Celtic Soul podcast who will be opening up their Celtic Soul to us. And we look back at the St. Johnson game and look ahead to Lille away, another meaningless game in a forgettable European campaign after the highs of last year. What a difference a year makes. Enjoy the weekend, folks. I suppose the pubs are still closed here, but we have the gastro pubs open, which means we can have a cheese sandwich and a couple of points instead of just a couple of points. And I know my friends in Glasgow can't because the pubs are closed again over there, so I'll send you a picture of me point. Check out the social media for that one. So the pressure remains now more than ever on Lenny. Once again, the sofa beckons for me for 90 minutes away from paradise. Folks, after the game last night, I have to say I was down in the dumps a bit and I opened the phone and I tend not to spend too long on social media after it because it can be a bit toxic. But I came across one tweet and I have to read it out because... It made me laugh and it cheered me up. So the initial tweet came from the Celtic Underground. I know how this sounds, but putting the defence to one side, it hasn't been that bad. To which T. Begley replied, Apart from all the mortars, Harold Shippen was a very good general practitioner. <laughs> now that's comedy. Folks, as always, we want to keep lending our support to musicians and songwriters out there who have been hit the hardest by the lockdown restrictions, with no gigs and no venues to play in. So send us in your material, Give us some information and we'll give you a plug and we'll play out of each show. This episode, Damien Quinn will be playing us out. Damien from Newry was with us in Thailand at the festival and Damien's played all over the world. Played to so many Celtic audiences and he's definitely missing, missing his livelihood and the crack on the road. I will post up all Damien's details where you can pick up CDs and support them in our podcast description. So folks, that's all I can say and just stay tuned, stay safe. 
and keep the faith and his Damien Payne is set with O'Hamden in the sun when Celtic beat Rangers 7-1 to lift the spirits of the Celtic fans back in 1957 and we could all do it a lift right now Team that played that day. Sammy Wilson put the Celtic one up in the final of the Scottish League Cup, and it was only Nene Martin's due when he nipped in far to make it to. We sing, Oh, Hamden in the sun, Celtic seven and the Rangers one. All of my days I will sing in praise of the Celtic team that played that day. Georgie Niven was all at sea. He couldn't stop McPhail from making it three. And then young Billy, sure he made it four. The Celts were heading for a record score. We sing, oh, handed in the sun, Celtic seven. Celtic team that played that day Georgie Nevin with a desperate dive, he couldn't stop mugging from making it five, and then young Billy with the superb flick sure he completed a great hat trick we sing Oh Hamden in the sun Celtic seven and the Rangers won all of my days I will sing in praise Celtic team that played that day Then to make the Rangers sick Birdie made a seven with a penalty kick And Charlie Tully was on the ball He was taking the right out of Ian McCall We sing Oh, Hamden in the sun Celtic seven and the Rangers won all of my days I will sing in praise Of the Celtic team that played that day Oh, handed in the sun Celtic seven and the Rangers won All of my days I will sing in praise Of the Celtic team that played that day Of the Celtic team that played that day Of the Celtic team that played that day 